Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your smiling faces, and I guarantee you will still be smiling at the end of this episode with my good friend, one of the best humans who I have ever had the pleasure of meeting, Steph Corky Corkison Corker. Uh, she Look, they broke the mold when they made uh, this person. She is absolutely one in a million. There's just something about her that you just you just want to be around her. Um, she's that she's that person that when she speaks to you, you have, uh, or, or I should say, when you're speaking with her, you have her undivided attention. There could be bombs going off, there could be car alarms, there could be all of the craziness out there. And she'd still be looking you in the eye um, during a conversation. Uh, she just, I don't know, there's just something about Steph Corker. And I know that by the end of this episode, you will completely understand what I am talking about. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, I always love finding an excuse to have a chat with Steph. She, she's good people. We love her. But before we get stuck into this episode, I have an announcement to make. Uh, we have teamed up with Helen Murray from the Inside Try Show to bring you a special podcast series titled The Healthy Body. The first episode will be published on the Inside Try Show podcast with part two uh, published on our very own Wits Up podcast platform. Here's a little teaser. It was just never, ever spoken about. My poor mom was in tears every day trying to get me to eat. People would starve themselves on rides. I started to see this trend where I could get lighter and I'd start to perform better. Peculiar behavior happened in the dinner. The coach singled me out in front of the whole cross-country team to point out how lean I looked, and he meant it as praise. I was amenorrheic. Had next to no sex drive. 11 stress fractures. Developed chronic insomnia. I didn't have my period for 12 years. It's just bloody horrible, to be honest. It was just onerous, the amount of restrictions I applied. I very much separated food into what was good, healthy food and what was bad food that was off limits. It just took that little mindset to spiral with a driven person. There's been so much heartache with issues that I'll never forget them. So I think it's fair to say uh, that Helen and I were both honoured that these people were willing to share their stories with us. It's quite a confronting uh, topic of conversation. Uh, so full credit to those people willing to share. Uh, that will be released next week. I wonder if you recognize any of those voices, but stay tuned. We'll let you know uh, when part one is up and running. But let's get stuck back into my chat with Steph Corker. You Are you ready? I am so ready. Uh, are you though? You feel like I feel like you're a little bit nervous. Well, I just saw a countdown clock, three, two, <laughs> one, and it's like the closest thing I've gotten to a start line in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so I got excited for a second there. When when you do start a race, would you prefer just the cannon or the gun or the buzzer, or do you do you want the countdown? What's what's more? anxiety um inducing i thought you were going to say reducing um i 
I appreciate a countdown. I appreciate a countdown, especially for a triathlon or like when you're in the water, I want to, I want some, you know, give me, give me a little bit of lead time. I'm getting ready. If it's a running race, then it's different. Cause you know, yeah. the clock right there, it's easier to see. If you're in the middle of the ocean, like, come on, I need to know when I'm going. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. But so do you reckon they should do it like, you know, on actually you probably don't know because you're not really a movie or a TV show kind of person, which we'll get to, but you know, like when they're, they're start, they're about to do some recording and they go, okay, in five, four, and then there's that silent and then they go, do you reckon that's better? Gosh, no. I just like, okay. come on. Consistency, five, four, three, two. It's like, are you going to go on the one or are you going to go after the one? That's all I need to know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But then it's it's different each race and sometimes, yeah, they need, I think there needs to be consistency and I think this is something uh, that we need to work on globally. It, this is a real issue. <laughs> you know what? I think that globally we could work on bringing races back then. I mean, I would be ready to go on <laughs> five <laughs> <laughs> you'd be ready to go on five so technically you'd be cheating hey 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 i wouldn't cheat i'm just telling you i'd be ready to go and i don't care how you count down that's my point. okay <laughs> uh okay so for those of you who are listening i'm kind of new to this and i you know forgot that i have to introduce my guest uh we're now two minutes in and no one knows who we're talking to they do, though, because it's written in the description. Then there's going to be like a, a really cool photo of you with the Wits Up logo on it. So I'm pretty sure they know who I'm talking to. Friends, this is my dear friend, Steph Corky Corkison Corker. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steph with an F. I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we met at Challenge Roth 2017. Do you remember? Of course I remember. The day you meet Steph. Come on. <laughs> right back at you. Come on. Um, that was your first year as a pro triathlete. Is that right? Gosh, it was my first year, um, yeah, with a pro card. And I, hmm. I think if I look back, I think I actually took my pro card because I really wanted to race Challenge Roth and being a Canadian – and the whole idea of, you know, how to get into this race that sells out so fast, I was like, oh, well, one way in would be to take a pro card. And you would be correct because I listened to our little podcast episode this morning. Uh, oh, that was – <laughs> so I caught up with – I think it was about eight of the – I think actually it was all of the pro women that year uh, and did a special edition podcast leading into Challenge Root. And uh, that's when we first met and you you indeed said that the reason you took your pro card is because it was the only way you could get into that into that race that sells out in something like three minutes. Right. That's so crazy. I can't I can only imagine what I would have said back in twenty seventeen. <laughs> Look, it was it was as riveting as always. I was on the edge of my seat the entire interview. <laughs> Listen up, you Aussie bloke. I never get your sarcasm. I don't get your sarcasm and I don't get your TV and movie references ever. You're like this um, innocent, bright-eyed, fanciful <laughs> unicorn of a person and I love it. That's Except a compliment. Hardly innocent. 
I'm hardly innocent. And no, you're definitely just, not innocent. <laughs> bright-eyed, bushy-tailed squirrel chasing nuts. Yeah, oh, you're Steph, like... This is going, <laughs> this is going in the wrong direction. This is going in the wrong direction. <laughs> you took it in the wrong direction, but you made me think of the guy from um, the little character, the squirrel, from Ice Age. But, you like, I'm, I'm guessing you haven't watched Ice Age. Steph, I have Steph. watched, I had watched seven movies in my life. I think I might be up to like nine if I include like something on YouTube that's more than 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> but even still, I just have a relationship with TV or Netflix. I just fall asleep and I'm really scared of a lot of things and I don't understand what is real and what is not. And <laughs> what do you mean? Oh my gosh. I just like, don't get the, I, I feel ignorant and it's not something I'm very proud of. And I'd prefer to not talk about it, except the reality <laughs> that people talk about things and then I go glassy eyed and I don't know what they're talking about. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just haven't watched any of the movies you're going to reference in this podcast. <laughs> okay. So let's clear up a couple of things. First of all, okay. You you don't you don't need to be um, ashamed of the fact that you haven't watched many movies or TVs. I just like taking the piss out of you for it because it, it winds you up a little bit and makes me laugh. Well, I do think though that like I'm not very socially aware, and like pop culture is a thing, and like references yep. to Netflix things is like legit, and I'm just like not quite a hip cat like that, so. <laughs> It's less shame, but it's more acknowledging that, like, I'm a little bit socially dumb and, you know, that's important to know. (laughs) (laughs) I think I make up for it in other areas and I'm, like, never short of a good time and don't think you're ever going to be bored with me, but I'm just not going to know some of the, you know, same storylines that you know. But And so when we have discussed in the past our podcast, you've pretty much said to me, like half of it I don't understand because I I use a lot of movie and TV quotes and references. So does that mean that you're a little bit nervous about this podcast for that reason? Oh, my gosh, of course. <laughs> yes. I, Steph, like, you just want to tell your friends that we spent a good 10 days in Kona together last year and um, there was probably 10 times a day or 10 times a morning. <laughs> That you would make references to things that I would just keep driving the car and have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think it makes me unique. I don't think there are many other people I've does. met in the world that are as um, socially, you know, head under a rock like I am. I th- I definitely think you're unique for many reasons. That is one of those reasons. <laughs> Uh, honestly though it's one of the things I love about you that you don't you don't like it just doesn't I don't like I just you just don't give a shit about it and I love it I think it's cool (laughs) well thanks Steph I think it's cool too because I haven't changed (laughs) and this started when I was really young I think I watched um it wasn't the Titanic but it was like Treasure Island or like some movie and people were getting thrown overboard and then and I grew up with uh, my dad always had sailboats and I got really scared that like my dad was just going to throw me over the side of a boat and that would be it. And so, and like, let's not talk about daddy daughter issues. My dad's cool. Oh, but, was, um, 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think that says a lot more about your relationship with your dad than it does about watching movies. Yeah, that was just it. So, like, I've seen some Disney movies and some rom-coms and, you know, I like it if two people fall in love. Love Actually was, like, my favorite movie, but then a woman fell in love with a gay man and I thought that was actually going to be just the rest of my life. So, yeah, anyway, it's my movie history. <laughs> Hang on, a woman <laughs> fell in love with a gay man. What was that story? Uh, like? That's not love, actually. My best friend's wedding. Do you remember? Isn't that what yeah. happens? No. <laughs> oh, well, then I have that wrong. But I just remember maybe I was a woman that liked the gay man. That could be also true. Yeah, so, so Julia Roberts was best friends <laughs> with Dylan something. No. D- Dermot? Yeah. M- who? Yeah. I don't what? know. Yeah, Dylan... Something anyway, but he was marrying Cameron Diaz, and Julia uh, Roberts realized that she was in love with her best friend. And you know, spoiler alert, everyone who hasn't seen my best friend's wedding that's now 20 years old, uh, Dylan stays with Cameron Diaz, but Julia Roberts, like new ish best friend, is a gay man, and they, yeah, they love each other, but she doesn't fall in love with a gay man. So anyway, there's your synopsis. Yeah, thanks. I guess 20 years ago was the last time I watched a movie. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But you know, with Love, Love actually is one of the the all-time greatest movies ever, for sure. Ever, ever. Yes, I have watched that on – I spent an entire season on The Trainer only watching that on repeat and really only watching like the last – like a certain seven-minute airport scene on YouTube on repeat, not even the whole thing. What? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that I am not, like, I'm not an exceptional triathlete, which makes me very honored to be on this. And I don't know anything about TVs or TV or movies, which makes me also feel exceptionally honored to be on this podcast. Um, but what I do think I, one of my superpowers is, like, the joy in the monotony. And I never get tired of, like, doing the same thing over and over again. I could listen to the same song on repeat. And the problem with movies is that it's, like, so long. So I, like, like a YouTube snippet that's seven minutes and I could watch that 10 times and that's 70 minutes. So when you're watching it, are you looking for different things each time or it's just you're in a zone? Um, Well, I guess it depends if I'm on a trainer uh, or like doing the dishes and just like listening to it in the background. I don't, I don't think I'm that um, highly aware. I usually like interesting character. Let's talk about something else. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's talk about something else. Steph Corker, professional triathlete since 2017. As you know, uh, on this podcast, we don't actually talk uh, that much about triathlon, which is, I mean, I enjoy. I hope you're going to enjoy it. I always enjoy you, Steph. Carry on. But so 2017 was when I met you at Challenge Roth. Thought you were awesome, super bubbly. Um, uh, These are like my first impressions. Um, When I when I earliest, yeah, and then it all changed when I got to know you. Um, When, (laughs) but when I referenced earlier that you were like this, um, you know, bright eyed, innocent, you know, kind of kind of person. You, you just, what I mean is you're just full of all this enthusiasm and you just loved being in Roth and it was, you know, this is the greatest. And 
it was really refreshing to hear a pro triathlete talk like that um, because a lot more people – and I get it, like everyone's got their own thing – uh, but a lot more, a lot of other professional triathletes are more sort of down to business and, you know, yep, I've been training well and I'm rested and I'm ready to go and let's see what happens on race day and blah, 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 blah. Whereas you were just like, have you seen the bike course? It's awesome. And the swimming pool, amazing. <laughs> and I've seen Roth on social media for so many years and I'm here now and this is cool and this is awesome and I'm going to have the best day ever. And, rah, 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 rah. and I was like, yes, you and I are going to get along really well. Um, it, am, am I off base? Oh gosh, you know what? You're so not off base. And I think enthusiasm <laughs> is a currency that is just never to be taken for granted. And it feels like every year that we age, it's easier to find things to not be enthusiastic about. And, um, you know, we're recording this, of course, in like the height of COVID and the, ep- you know, the pandemic. Um, and you're so not wrong. And in the bottom of my heart, I'm still that same crazy, totally enthusiastic tri-nerd and I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I love it because that's me (laughs) as well. (laughs) But it is. So, but it's it's why I was automatically like drawn to you because it's like, oh, it's you're this – burst of energy that you know sometimes goes goes missing a little bit when we get we get caught up in the day-to-day training and and the racing and uh, all that kind of stuff and you're just like this is this is awesome I'm here I'm loving it let's let's get going um so for me I felt it felt um I don't know like it was nice to speak to a pro who felt like that and obviously loved the sport and I think Every pro out there does love the sport. I think it's an exceptionally hard sport to do if you don't love it, uh, but not everyone portrays it just like you do, and I loved it. I mm. fell in love with you pretty much the second I met you. <laughs> oh, Steph, we could have a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> do you know when, when, all this, um, when all the international borders are open again, let's, let's go to an airport and we can run through the airport, <gasps> slow motion. Yeah. To oh, meet my each God. Other. I'll pick you up in Kona. Um, yes. I mean, the feeling is so mutual and it doesn't, it's, it's also, I mean, not the gender matters, but I really appreciate that you're a female covering women in sport. And um, I think your enthusiasm is not lost in a sea of men. And I, I really noticed that in Kona last year when I was standing at the finish line and I looked over and I, it's like, there's Steph and there's this, sea of men and you're vibrating and you're stoked and you're taking pictures of everyone crossing the line regardless of their gender and you know I guess you you said it like enthusiasm attracts enthusiasm and we were so fried at the end of that race day and I remember you coming to pick me up and I was like this is what two depleted souls look like (laughs) 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 we were so trapped oh mate weren't we so that uh so I want to go back to, cause I do want to talk about Kona. Um, so after 2017 in Roth, when I first met you, I'm like, yep, tops. She's an awesome, awesome chick. Yeah. Should I say chick? Is chick a, like, that's what I call my mates, but I don't know yeah. if I should be saying that on a podcast. I'm not, I'm not the best person to run through those rules of yeah. popular with. Yeah. Are you offended if I call you a top chick? Yeah. No. Okay. Not at all. Carry on. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and then when was it? Last Roth? Last year? No, the year before. When we caught up again, uh, you were over there, sort of cheer squad with Rach McBride was racing and you were driving the car so I could take photos of her. Was that last year? Right. Mm, last summer. Yeah, it was last yeah. summer. Yeah. Crazy. But, yeah. And I think, but that propelled our friendship to a new level to the point oh, that yeah. I'd messaged you before Kona and was like, are you heading to Kona? Come and stay with us. Can you help yeah. me out? And you're like, yes, yeah. in, 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 in. And then, <laughs> yeah, like you said, we spent 10 days together with, I mean, Brady and Frankie were there as well. Um, but I got to see you and all your bundle of energy going from here to there and everywhere. And then you got to see what I do and behind the scenes with what I do as well. And from my point of view, great learning experience hanging yeah. out with you for 10 days. Oh, bless you. I think, um, yeah, you learn really quickly. It's like going on a training camp with someone. You're like, we're either going to be friends or we're never going to talk again. But either way, it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um, so, so yeah, um, and then uh, in New Zealand this year as well, more time with yeah. each other, hanging out. Uh, basically, you just being my driver for a lot of things, which is Awesome, except for when you're driving on the other side of the road in oh New Zealand. God. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, how <laughs> great is it that you have a driver who can drive on both sides of the road? <laughs> <laughs> but I can't really, and, and that's that's really fair. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you did fine, but there was just a couple times where I mean, you made me just a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> I, <I'm- laughs> Uh, shit. Okay, so that's enough triathlon speak. I want to go back to a young, a young Steph Corker. She was a swimmer. Yeah. 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 But what else was she? Oh gosh, it's so funny. I was just actually writing an article about young Steph Corker um, because oh. can I riff on this? It'll be fun. I was re- remembering that young Steph Corker was a swimmer. All I did was swim. I think people that grew up as competitive swimmers can relate that you're either a swimmer, you're either into swimming or you're not. And if you're not into swimming, then you might dabble in lots of other things. Um, and I grew up in a great little town um, on the east coast of Canada. And our swim crew, our swim squad was awesome. I swam with the same people from like the age of eight until the age of 16. And then I was, I swam through university as well. And, um, do you mean like competitively swimming? Yeah. Competitively swimming. Yeah. Yeah. And competitive swimmers like this is, I mean, I mean, obviously for Aussies, you're all swimmers, but I, I look back and I'm like, I would swim like, you know, 12 K a day and that would be normal. And I was like, then there was a point in time that I thought that if I ran 12 K a day, that was pretty cool. (laughs) Um, so just like the volume and intensity of swimming was always so great um, as a child. But my point is that I grew up in a chlorinated box. I grew up on an exceptionally regimented schedule. And my parents were wildly supportive of me, uh, except they were wildly supportive of me. And it was my responsibility to be responsible. So 
what I mean by that is they would drive me to every morning swim practice, but I had to set my alarm and get up and get ready to go. And if I didn't wake up and get all of my things and wake one of them up to drive me, I wasn't going to swim practice. And so it instilled this sense of, I have an awesome support network in my family as long as I show up first. And those were just really powerful lessons. I remember setting my alarm clock for 4.27 a.m. and the pool was about a 20 minute drive away. And, you know, the rule of the club was like, you just didn't miss a swim practice. So I, you know, it was, you weren't late and you didn't miss practice. And we swam every morning at 5.30 and we had exercises to do before we got in the water. Um, and I don't want to say it was boring, but like that was a lot of my childhood. Yeah, right. Do you, do you think at the time you realized that it was sort of instilling these kind of values in you then? Or when do you think you realized it was like that aha moment that you realized what the lessons that you learned from that kind of thing? I think, um, you know, the lessons I look back and I think how cool it was that like 10 year old Steph Corker would set goals down to like the 10th of a second at one swing meet. And, you know, it's so similar as an adult, but it's, you know, I had no problem saying super specific goals and working all year long for one swim meet for one moment in time to try to get, you know, that certain qualifying time. And I just look back and maybe if I ask my parents, they might have a different recollection, but mm. I loved it all. Like I, I loved it. I loved the hard workouts. I loved an easy workout. I loved going to swim practice. I, it, it never really felt like work. It felt like a lifestyle and it felt like a way of life that, that I just really loved. And, um, yeah, so I never understood when people thought it was hard or you're making sacrifices or like all of that language just didn't really compute for me. And now let it be known that a, I didn't watch movies and I didn't watch TV. <laughs> I also, my best friends were also swimmers. So I didn't really have like access to the outside world of people that weren't like me. And I really didn't do anything else. Like I was a student and a studious nerd. Um, but I, you know, I'm like really not good at anything else. So that's also a reality. And I was, I think I was pretty okay with it actually. Like everything else I've had to work really hard for. So when you say that's all that I was good at, you mean the swimming, like that that was what you're good at? Like I, I was like a decent swimmer. Um, I yeah. like didn't go to the Olympics, but I was a decent swimmer. And I, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we would run a little bit, but I wasn't a great runner. And I don't know. I think some people are just so well-rounded and they like, you know, play musical instruments and dance and I mean I I had a beautiful family we we traveled as a family and I you know I I've made tons of memories and I look back and it was wonderful it was just um you know very focused and everything existed around going to bed early enough to wake up for swim practice and you never missed a swim practice so then what I mean you just you earlier just referred to yourself as a nerd yeah what <laughs> what does that – I mean, when you look at, you know, the, the um, stereotypical, um, I guess, labels for people, um, particularly at school, you've got the jock, you've got the nerd, you've got the um, – I can't even think of any off the top of my head now. But do you feel like you sat 
that you were one of the nerds of the school? Is that how you felt or that was just what, that was just your own sort of bubble? Uh, no, I mean, I think I was friends with lots of different people and eh. in like in high school. Um, but I also, I was only in high school for a short period of time. Um, and then I got accepted to university when I was quite young. And so I, I guess that was the nerd in me. The nerd in me was like, how, let's just get, get on with life here. What do you mean? How, how are you? Talk me so through I, that, Steph. <laughs> I, no, we can talk about this and then we'll carry on. I, I was only in high school for three years. And I guess it's different everywhere in the world. But um, I think most people, well, most people spent five years in high school. And so I went to university when I was 16. Um, and it just made sense at the time. And then I swam at university, actually rode at university as well. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I, I didn't have extracurriculars. Okay. People wanted like, you know, spares and all this extra time in high school. And I was like, don't you just want to go to school for the day? And to me, school was like what I did in between swim practices. And to me, like I swam in the morning, I went to school and then I swam after school. And I joked that I would like swim, go to school, eat bagels, go back to swimming. And that was like actually high school for me. So. <laughs> but Hang on, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit stuck on how you just like, oh, I'm just going to go to university because, okay, so here's how it works in Australia. Essentially, you primary school is up to year six or seven, yeah, uh, and then high school is seven to twelve, essentially uh, years, and then you go to university, which is I think in the states it's called college, but in Canada it sounds like it's called uni. So you have to complete those, um, you know, those years before you go to uni. Mm. So were you given a scholarship or what do you mean? You just went, oh, I'm just going to skip a couple of years and off I go, stuff to do. What do you mean? Stuff to do. I was pumped. Um, So (laughs) I did have a scholarship and I did, um, I mean, I completed all of my credits. So everything that was meant to be completed within five years, I did. I just happened to do it in three years. And I did that. And then I was given a scholarship. And so I went to university. And I I really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, But I I went and I was, you know, I was, I swam varsity, I rode varsity. And then I, um, I, I was in a science program with, mostly Asians. I was one of four Caucasian women at the time. Um, And I really didn't know what I would do with it. I was in Toronto. And so, you know, I could have just stayed in Toronto. But um, then my brother went to university in Vancouver, which is on the other side of Canada. And my brother and I have always been super close. And I just couldn't imagine the idea of my brother and I living on opposite sides of the country. So I started working. I really hated it. And I begged my dad, because I was only 21 or 22, and I begged my dad to give me permission to to basically go to the other side of the country. Like he, I don't know why, I guess there's a, 
a feeling that my my dad had to approve this for whatever reason. And um, yeah. he was like, oh, he's from Vancouver. And he was like, you'll love it. It'll be so great. And I was like, I'll go for six months and I'll be back. And that was 15 years ago. So wow. it, all, it all, yeah, it was crazy. So Matt, your brother, yeah. um, I'm – I'm pretty sure you know what your brother's name is, but just for the listeners who don't yeah. know who Matt is, um, he older. He is younger than me. He's three years younger, but everyone thinks he's older, and some people think he's my husband, and then it gets awkward because he's gay, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. he's three years younger than me. Oh, you've married your gay brother. Brilliant. Yeah, um, so- isn't that interesting? But. I think I actually knew that he was younger, but just the way that you said he moved across and you were so close that you wanted to go as well, the way that I envisioned that, envisaged that was he was older. Yeah. And you wanted to follow him. That's, yeah, that's immediately what I thought, even though I knew that he was younger than you. (laughs) Well, it's funny, like gender dynamics and how, I mean, in many respects, he feels older. Sometimes I feel like we're twins. Um, Yeah. I I rarely feel like the older one. But I also like what's age and he's amazing. Totally. So, yeah. It's great. Okay. Let's, let's talk about um, the dynamic between you two. So yeah. you guys work together now. Wow. Yeah, we do. It's a dream for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's just like, okay, Steph, I'll do it for you, with you. Um no, you – so right now um, you guys are working together. It's called the Corker Company. Um, what? Explain what it is because I – one of the things I love about you is that you've created your own space over mm-hmm. over years and years. You're, you're extremely intelligent um, but you're uh, emotionally intelligent as well. Like you get people. You um, – I, I think that's one of your strongest – um assets is that you just you read people well you um empathize with people you're you're such a people person and you've created a space as an occupation to for for that strength to thrive it's like it's incredible i don't think there's many people out there who can do that and i think it's incredible that you've done it um but i don't want to butcher what the corker company is all about so i prefer you to explain what it's about (laughs) Steph, that's incredibly kind of you to say And I just want to say thank you because it's so common that we look at ourselves about all the things we want to fix. And it's like, oh, here are all of my weaknesses and all of the things that aren't great. And it's so rad to hear someone say such nice things. So thanks for that. You're kind. Well, I I am kind. Don't let other people know because I have this tough exterior. Um, Yeah. Carry on. Carry on. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, So I guess quick backup is that Matt and I have had the pleasure of had the pleasure of working at several large organizations, um, large companies together. And I had always had a dream to run a consulting business or run something on my own because it got to a point where, especially, I mean, it was driven by triathlon. I was just a raging, ambitious, excited amateur. Um, that I didn't want to ha- I didn't want to have to ask for vacation time to go on a training camp or, you know, I didn't want to be scheduling races around how many days I could be out of the office. Because as you know, you can go train and it's like you can only train so many hours in a day and you still have other hours left in the day. I just might not want to be bound to a desk. And mm-hmm. um, 
it's scary. It's the hardest. I mean, it's entrepreneur to entrepreneur. It's the hardest way to earn an income. Um, yet I was more excited than I was scared. And so I left my last corporate gig, which was at Lululemon's head office in Vancouver. And my brother and I were actually living together at the time. And he was also working at Lululemon. And he said, I said, come work with me. I'm going to start something. And he said, you go. And if it's successful a year from now, I'll quit my job and come. But if it's not, then you have to go find another job. And I was like, that's fair. Giddy up. And so wow. it started <laughs> as, um, as, as literally an executive recruiting house. And um, my job was to find people great jobs. And I was so passionate. I am so passionate. We're in year six of the business now. And I'm obsessed with this because I think that how we spend our life, how we spend our days shapes our life. And in the same vein that I care about my coach and about sweaty pursuits, I care about our vocation. And I'm really passionate about women um, having careers that they like and standing up to the male conversation. And I recognize that I couldn't find a female leader um, that I was excited to go work for. There's a lot of them. Don't hear me say that there's not a ton of them just in my realm of work in the geography yeah. that I wanted to live. I couldn't find a female leader. And so I said, I, I'm going to go start something. And, um, I think it's the greatest act of self-discovery of therapy <laughs> of, you know, really uncovering, your, you know, your weaknesses so that you can spend your time in your strengths. And I feel like I've become exceptionally self-aware of like what I'm triggered by and where I find joy and where I get excited and where I get paralyzed by not being able to do more. So um, that's the business side. And it started as this executive search house where we place great people to work with great leaders. And then 12 months later, Matt joined and we decided that, um, Really, we were obsessed with the idea of human potential and human capital, not just financial capital. And so we're also invested in a, in a venture fund that funds companies. And while it's really you know great to get checks and to receive all of this money, if you don't have the right team and the right humans in place, um, the money is, is empty. So our job was to help both find the right talent for these early seeded organizations and also develop the talent because, you know, and a CEO or a founder comes with a certain level of ego that might not be attractive. And who's brave enough to tell that leader, your ideas are awesome, but you're a really shit people manager. And when you talk to me this way, I don't want to work for you. Well, people don't always have those conversations and instead they just get up and quit and then they go on to their next boss and they find someone else. And then that person, that founder is still an ass and nobody's told them that mm. they could just, you know, change how they communicate. And I'd be really stoked to come work for you every day. Um, so this is like super summarizing as quickly as can be, but that's the work we're in helping leaders be great leaders, helping place great people with great people and living really big lives. My brother's a yoga teacher and he goes around the world and does yoga teacher trainings. And I, I hope to come back to racing. Um, I, but I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like yet. Wow. Okay. So this is, so essentially you've both built this uh, business that you both work in, but that also affords you the 
the time. I mean, obviously you love doing it as well, but it affords you the time to, for you to do your professional triathlon racing and for your brother to do his yoga teaching and it just all falls into place nicely. Actually, I shouldn't say fall into place because you've obviously worked hard to make it uh, work for you. Yeah, I think so. We have an awesome team, which I'm super grateful for because it wouldn't be possible without them. And we are very aware of the choices that we make. Some days I don't know what day of the week it is. And that was before COVID. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I'm grumpier and need to take naps. And, you know, all of these things are true. Um, but we have really designed our lives. And it's amazing. I mean, my brother is one of the most amazing people I know. We've had some of the most epic battles and have spent a lot of money in therapy together. And it's been amazing because we've come out the other side stronger than ever. Um, my brother and his husband are expecting their first child this summer via a surrogate. Oh. And it's oh. the epitome stuff of showing me that creating a life you love is possible. Um, we've created this company. He's going to go on parental leave um, they have a beautiful surrogate that will hopefully, you know, help give birth to a healthy baby this summer. Um, it's amazing. And and it's not without a lot of work and a lot of choice and a lot of really just self-reflection of like, how do you want to live your life? When you said you've you've done therapy together, you and your brother have gone to therapy sessions together. Is that what you mean? Oh, heck yes. F yes. Yes. What? You're allowed to swear on this podcast, by the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, so how does that come up? Is that because since you've been working together, you you wanted to work on your sibling relationship and your working relationship? Or, or how does that come up in conversation that you need to do that? Well, um, first of all, I've been, I've been going to therapy for a long time and no judgment right. or whatnot, but I – I am really curious about how people develop themselves and deal with things. And it, I don't, I mean, therapy can be for everyone, but it doesn't have to be for everyone. Um, but I think exploring how we can be the best versions of ourselves, which is typically dealing with the shittiest parts of ourselves, um, is a really healthy and productive thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I spent time certainly working with um, a couple of great therapists myself. And then Matt and I got into some really crunchy stuff. And it was actually last year. And I mean, if we want to get to the heart of the matter, I had surgery last year. So unfortunately, I didn't race. Um, and I had internal abdominal surgery that just shook my identity. It shook who I thought I was as a person, as a woman, uh, as an athlete, of course. Um, it, it got dark. And mm. I didn't handle it very well. And so then Matt got a really shitty version of me as a business partner. And he was like, what the heck? Like, who are you and what's going on? And it's not that he wasn't empathetic. It was that I didn't know how to express everything that was happening for me. So sure. um, it got bad. It was like rock bottom. And we went to see a therapist uh, and we spent 90 minutes with this person who was incredible. And we left and we're like, there you are. I see you. I love you. We're going to work through all of this together. But we walked into therapy um, thinking, like, this could be it. Like, like, do we shut the business down? And I was like, I guess we'll never have family dinner again. And um, wow. uh, And we left. And, and we've since gone back together. And our relationship is so special and something we really, really um, work on. And 
I, I like, I'm, I'm so proud to tell that story because I think it's, it's like almost more respected. It's like, I work hard to be able to run fast, but I'm not going to work hard on communicating mm. relationships. Like, I don't care that you run fast. I want to know how you take care of your heart. Um, so I'm really proud of that. You, sh- you should be. I, I, I think it's incredible that, well, both of you recognized that this was the best thing for you guys to do because obviously, and I don't know the whole story, but obviously you'd, like you said, you'd hit rock, but rock bottom. Um, and a lot of people would just completely shut down. I mm-hmm. think the majority of people would just shut down or shut other people out. I've done it. I yeah. do it. Yeah. We're humans and we want to survive and sometimes things get tough and we take things personally and I don't think we always know how to recover. And mm. we have egos <laughs> that yeah, yeah, rule the roost sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so where where are you at right right now, post surgery and everything? Are you doing okay? Gosh, I'm totally okay. I went through definitely a period of time where I was like, oh man, like I've never known what it's like to not be motivated and to not be stoked and. Mm. I'm really grateful to have Rach McBride, who has obviously continued to race. And, you know, we were in New Zealand um, because it's just a great reminder of how fragile these moments in time are. Like, we're not going to race forever. We're going to race for now. And I also think it's a beautiful thing to, to be excited to race. Um, and what I got mm-hmm. out of surgery... <clears throat> was that I wasn't excited. Um, I wasn't excited to walk one mile, let alone like think about a training plan. Um, and, and to be honest, Steph, you know, I love that you say that I'm this enthusiastic ball of energy because what needs to be said is that I was the shittiest triathlete. Like I was just this huge tryhard. My first marathon was four and a half hours. Like I, I have no right to have a pro card. I have no right to be doing these things, but it got to a point where in North America, I had some fun success and thought, do I want to keep having some fun success or do I go out on the whim and like be okay to be a bottom end pro, but keep racing. And the reason that I was okay to be this bottom end pro and keep racing was because I think the alternative um, wasn't as inspiring. And, um, like, you know, I think I totally get every side of the argument. Um, but I just want to know what, what it will take for you to be inspired to show up to a start line and do that. And so, yeah, I feel healthier. I think COVID is real and I'd love to be in a swimming pool, but that's not the reality right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and I have come to appreciate that whether I race or I don't race or whatever that looks like down the line, um, that I wake up in the morning and train because it makes me a better version of myself for that day and for the people in my life who I'm going to show up for that day. And I am grateful for COVID that it finally ripped the bandaid off and I could no longer be this like scapegoat to wanting my training and my days to be structured around a training block for a race. When the reality is this is actually how I just want to spend my days. And I want to be better this week than I was last week, not for a race 12 weeks from now, because that's not the freaking point, <laughs> you know? I do know. You've just, 
you've just inspired me more than I think you could ever know. Well, I hope you go run, Steph. I'm watching you. I know that you're never going to quit. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I ran yesterday. I've served, I've run twice now. I have to be careful because it yeah. fucking hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I have a strength and conditioning session coming up today. So one thing a day for me at the moment. Perfect. Because I also have a habit of doing way too much, which may come as a surprise to you. Uh, so I'm trying to be sensible. I don't think you'll ever be sensible, but I love that you're doing one thing a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair play. I mean, I mean, I can recognize that I should be sensible. doesn't mean I actually make the right decisions for sure. Um, back to uh, you said that you were a rubbish triathlete. And I, and I get that, um, you know, your first marathon was four and a half hours and at some stage you, you were a battler. But before you took your pro card, you did – were you the – did you win your age group at Ironman Canada or age group overall or something? Like you didn't just come out of the blue. You you turned into a very decent um, age grouper. Yeah. I My thing was how many times do you roll down Kona spots before yeah. you do something else? So I had rolled down several Kona spots. I had won some Ironmans outright and um, – yeah. And like, it's a huge jump. And, you know, I, I bow and I mean, fellow pros, I adore them. I think they're phenomenal. I love how they've committed their lives to it. And um, I also look at many other, you know, rookie pros that have worked really damn hard to become awesome. And I think that's amazing. And I just think at some point in time in life, um, we all need to release a little bit more of our ego and say, like we're all going to die and you know, there's some Frodo's and some Daniela's on the line. And, and of course, like lots of other great people, but at the end of the day, it's sport and it's a privilege to be able to do what we do. And is that a train? Um, <laughs> no, it's a tram. A tram. We live, Got it. <laughs> there's just no place uh, in our house that I can completely avoid that noise. <laughs> it just, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm just like, eh, just keeping it real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a bigger comp- proponent of do the very best you can where you are and continue to show up. And so while it made sense for me to show up as an age grouper, I continued to show up as an age grouper. Um, what's the jump? What's the leap you make? I never had an awesome race in Kona. I raced Ironman Hawaii as an age grouper three times. And I thought yeah. I would either throw everything into having a really great race in Hawaii as an amateur, or I would, you know, check off bucket list races and be able to do so with a, you know, it was easier to do so with a pro card. Um, so, so that's what I did. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really obsessed with more women on the start line of every race. And so I think that if that's what I'm obsessed with, then I have to keep showing up to start. And I've heard and read a lot of the arguments of if you're a bottom end pro, then you should stop. And I just think the only way bottom end pros can get anywhere is if they don't stop. So I'm going to go with the not stopping. Love it. Yeah. Love it. What um, I, I want to go back to, well, to lots of things, but but therapy want, being one of them. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> no, so because yeah. I thought of it, like I want to go and see a therapist because I'm fascinated to see what she can or he. I don't know. See, they, they, I just automatically assumed it would be a she. Mm. I don't know why. But anyway, um, like I'd love to see what they could uncover Mm. about me because mm. like I try to learn every single day I love I love talking to you because I learn from you every second I spend with you I, mm. like, I just really love hanging out with you mm. um and then I'm like I wonder what it would be like just to sit down and someone just I mean I don't know what it's like I could be way off base the first I could be bored like I thought yoga with a dog would be fun but it, I, like I was bored um not that I should be comparing therapy to <laughs> yoga with a dog but anyway um but to me, you you are this, I don't know, I find you to be such an advanced person in terms of you're, you're in, in, in touch with your emotions, you're in touch with how your heart beats, which is one of yeah. your things. When I say one of your things, one of your questions you like asking people is what makes your heart beat faster, right? Yeah. Like I just think that's one of the greatest questions you could ever ask anyone because yeah. I – I've seen that written down and I'm like, oh, how would I answer that? Like mm-hmm. I just I just think you're so in tune with and I'm not saying all the time and I'm not saying that that has ever come easy, but I like I look to you to try and improve myself and mm-hmm. I look at what you do to improve yourself and I love learning from you. Mm-hmm. Uh don't know where I'm going with this. Um but oh yeah, what what do you think is one of the biggest things that you've learned about yourself? Mm. Well, again, thank you for saying this. And I think, first of all, I think, you know, you shared in our giggle fest about the time that we've spent together. And I think it's really special to have spent the time that we have together, Steph. And if we hadn't have spent that time together, we probably wouldn't know these things about each other. And it's cool that, Mm. you know, we've been able to like, dive into this. Um, And I say that because I'm like, yes, let's not forget. You've also seen me shed a lot of tears, have many meltdowns and sat and wondered what the heck is going on in my life. So it all comes full circle. And vice versa. This is not quite like go to therapy and you become so enlightened. I wish. Um, I spent six years at Lululemon's head office and I worked alongside Chip who started the company and lots of people, especially in North America, have strong opinions of Chip Wilson because, you know, he has said some naughty things and has been, you know, misconstrued. Um, But a lot of the work of Chip, so Chip built Lululemon after a failed business called West Beach, which was another surf brand. And um, he literally was sleeping on the floor of the store of the first Lululemon store, um, trying to, you know, hit goals and, and whatnot. And I mean, I'm summarizing a lot of this man, but I, I was about employee a hundred, um, at the company. So it was, you know, relatively small still all things considered. And I just sucked his wisdom, like through a fire hose. I just wanted to know, so much from this man on how he saw the world and on what was happening. And um, he was a big proponent of a a course called Landmark. Um, People have opinions of Landmark being a cult or not a cult. He was also a huge proponent of setting goals. Um, And that might sound corny or cliche, but so much of it has come from how do you take the most amount of responsibility for your life? Um, And what is in the way of you creating that version of the life that you would like to live into or to create. And, 
you know, I was at Lululemon. Um, I had done one Ironman, my first Ironman. Um, it was in Penticton, BC. Um, it was the original Ironman Canada. And I had missed qualifying for Kona by 45 seconds. Um, I was 24 oh. maybe or something like but I just, it so shook me. I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe it's so close. And I went home to my husband at the time, um, who's now my ex. And <laughs> I said, I just want one more shot to do an Ironman. And he looked at me and said, no way. And he was 10 years older than me. And he was like, I want to start a family. Like I, I'm done with you, like riding your bike all weekend long. And I remember vividly, Steph, I looked up from him at dinner. And I just thought, I never want to be with someone or be that someone that tells someone else no to a dream. And I was like, I'll do all of the work. I'll go to all of the therapy. I'll do whatever I can because nothing replaces the power of being someone's cheerleader. And a week later, we were separated. And I moved out with my dog and a hatchback and my bikes on the roof and slept in my car for a long time. And it was a crazy period. And I went on and raced and I qualified for Kona and I did 25 Ironmans along the way. And I still don't have <laughs> children. Um, and, you know, a lot of my relationship with Rachel McBride, for that matter, is like is totally being a super fan. And the reason is because I just don't think you can take that for granted. I don't take someone who wants to show up for you for a dream lightly. And I hope to race again, of course. Um, if, you know, hopefully it's Ironman, <clears throat> it might be marathons, who knows. Um, and I hope that I have a cheerleader that cares about my racing too, whether they're a lover or, or friends, because it's really special to experience these things together. And on the flip side, I will absolutely be your biggest fan. Uh, and I don't take it lightly at all. And I, it's completely genuine. Um, there's none of like, I would not spend a second mm. of this, not, um, not being totally authentic, but I say all of this because it comes full circle. And maybe this is the longest way to answer the question of, I just, I recognized the antithesis. I recognized who I didn't want to be that one time at dinner and said, I would never say no to someone's dream. And I also meant that I couldn't say no to my own dreams. And, you know, all of this is cliche. And like, there's an inspo quote on Instagram for this until you actually experience it in life. And until you can tell me you looked your husband in the eye and said, I'm not going to give up on my own dreams. You know, you might just not get it the same way. Fuck. I don't know. What is the truth for you, my friends? Yeah. Uh, I yeah, okay. I didn't realize that's how you split with your husband. That's um how old were you? I was young. I was Yeah. Maybe I don't even remember. It all feels like a blur. There's a song about that. Yeah. All a dream. <laughs> um <laughs> It wasn't a dream. Um, but, but, but what's missing, what I forgot to tell you, is that it's not easy and it's really hard to stand up for yourself and for other people. And that's why I have therapy because I mm. also am not always great at communicating or articulating things or, you know, I'm a really big feeler, but sometimes it's hard for me to put words to feelings. And so 
I think really, <laughs> I mean, maybe you would think so. Cause I talk all the time. But, um, I just think that, you know, knowing the bridges that we need to create in life, whether that's like, here's where I am and I have this goal, how do I get there? Or here's where I am and I have these feelings and I don't know what to do with them. Um, I personally have, have worked with therapists around that, but there's lots of different tools that other people use. It's just, um, I've really needed to be challenged and, and coached and worked with. <laughs> so, but I feel like all those things that you've learned, you you teach so many other people, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. Really? That's oh my god! Are you kidding? Well, I, I that I, every <laughs> time I speak to you, I feel like no, I don't feel like I've had a therapy session. I don't. I, that's not how I feel at all. We we have we riff and jam all the time. It's great, but I always walk away having learned something a little bit more about myself after yeah. talking to you. And I don't know if it's intentional that you see that that's how you want the conversation to go, or I think it's unintentional. It's just who you are. Mm. Um, but I also don't know if that's just how you are with uh, certain people, but I feel mm. like that's what, you know, that's the kind of um, kind of things that you've learned that you throw into uh, your, your career and your career as a triathlete as well. I don't know. I, I, that's what I think. Well, I'm, I love that. That's what you think. And I want you to know that you're special. And so you're going to get the special version of Steph always, but I also want to, uh -huh, yeah, that, um, <laughs> I really appreciate people that are willing to show me a piece of their heart and to tell me how they're really feeling or really doing or what they really want to get up to. And, and I think one of, you know, if that's what I hope, then I think that I need to be that myself. Um, so, sure. you know, I, yeah, I think that we're all little nuggets of potential and I think that we just get to choose how we want to express that potential. And I think if we let go of our egos that say we should be a certain way and we release, you know, the idea that we're only as good as our last, the last race or the time on the clock dictates our worth. When you get over those things, then you just re recognize what a gift it is to, live live a big life and mm. I mean I until COVID I'd get on a plane to go cheer you across any finish line ever anywhere I want to drive you to take pictures of rad humans doing things that they love because a triathlete on a bike is like an artist in motion like these are oh that's good yeah man we're living I like living same yeah so I, we, we'll have to wrap things up, even though obviously we could continue talking all day slash night over there, afternoon. Yeah. So one of the things with you, so at Challenge Roth 20, last year, mm. we went out to take photos of Rach. You were driving, you were pumped for it. We got in the car. We just started talking shit and you started asking me a little bit more about uh, the Wits Up podcast, but also about how Wits Up worked. Um, and you didn't give your opinion, or you kind of did, but you, I don't know, I think I think we all know, you particularly know that um, 
I'm not always a massive fan of being told what to do, mm. uh, but when it's by the right person or I've reached out to ask questions, I love it. I thrive on it. I love learning from other people, but I don't. I struggle with people coming in and telling me what I have to do and what I'm doing wrong mm. uh, because I guess the um, the way it's said is just just wrong. But you just came in and. I don't know, you were like an instant cheerleader and helped me see quite a few things that I needed to change uh, with wits up, I guess. Let's just stick with that for now. But there was just, but there was, there was something about you in that moment. And I still didn't know you very well back then. Hmm. um, That just made me feel so comfortable in accepting that help and that uh, advice and riffing with you. So, I don't know. Like, I just feel like you need to be. I feel that Steph Corker needs to be told more often just how awesome she is. <laughs> That's why I wanted to talk to you. Oh, buddy. On here. Buddy, thank you. I just want to make a distinction. I'm really obsessed with words. Um, I'm really obsessed with the distinction of words. And I think what you just said was nobody wants to be told what they're doing wrong. And no one wants to be told how to do things. And you're correct. Yeah. It's so true. And I think the flip is, um, and, and personally, I haven't met people that are that get tired of hearing how great they are. I haven't met people that are like, <laughs> and what I actually came to you with, Steph, was I freaking love your podcast. I wish you would do it more. I was like, what would it take yeah. for more of that? You're so, they're so great. I love how you riff and chat and I love your podcast. And your response and your reaction was like, now we've had this really rad friendship and we're able to create a relationship because I actually wasn't showing you anything you were doing wrong. I was just telling you, and maybe for the first time that day in Germany, um, I know you've heard it many other days, but you know, that specific day in Germany, I was the first one that got to tell you how, how, <laughs> how great your work was in the world. And I'm really passionate about entrepreneurs. Um, as I said, it's the hardest way I think to pay your rent and mm. no one, you know, as an entrepreneur, as someone who starts, um, people don't come up to you and say, thank you. They want to come up to you and criticize. They want to come up and shit on you. They want mm. to tell you everything you're doing wrong. Or they like to give you ideas of all the things you should be doing because you don't have enough on your plate <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, and, and I think I just saw that in you. I saw the reflection of like, you're doing something that's beautiful, that's rad, that's a message that needs to get out. And I... I, if you haven't been told yet today that what you're doing is awesome, here's here's your message. And <laughs> I remember the car ride and you looked at me and, and it was beautiful. And we're going to talk about this whole story right now, even though we're over time, because your response was, yeah, but I like to do dot, dot, dot. And my line is everything after but is bullshit. So I listened to what you say before the but and you were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with that. Steph said, yeah. And I'm just going to keep pouring the sugar on. And then you'll realize, you know, because you're like, I want to do them in person. And I was like, ah, the world sucks. You know, we can't all be in person. And you're like, but the quality. And I was like, your quality is always awesome. I think you can do it. And you're like, what? There's time. And I'm like, ah, you, you've got it. And here we are. Here we are recording together. <laughs> So you were manipulating me the entire time. Well, if you started going to therapy, you would learn how to communicate. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, but I th- we you you are the very reason why I produce a podcast weekly. Now you are uh, you are the reason. I'm grateful. I listen every week. I never know your analogies to Netflix shows, and I still come back. <laughs> And I think it's so important to hear female voices on microphones telling stories. And I love that you talk about humans for who they are on and off race courses. Um, and I say this with like insane honor that, of course, all the legends that you've talked to before me, I can't believe that I'm here with you. So it's really cool to rip. You're silly. Well, you're you, awesome. You don't, you, don't, you don't need to have won Kona to be on the Wits Up podcast, that's for sure. It's not about that. You know that. <laughs> well, thanks, buddy. In fact, if you win, if you win, Kona, there's probably a good chance you won't be on the Wits Up podcast because you're too busy. <laughs> not um, what's that? No comment. <laughs> um, how, how do you think this interview went? You're, you're an experienced interviewer. How do you think it went as an interviewee? Oh, Steph, that's a really great question. I'm used to the, being the one to ask the question and I get, I mean, there's certain people and you're one of them that ask questions and I feel like I'm really good at going in tangents. So I would just apologize if I've gone into many tangents and haven't answered questions as directly as you may have liked, but I really appreciate your questions. So I give you an A for great questions. You know that I love a tangent. So I have a few notes here, but I I think I even said to you at the start, I don't know what direction I want this to go. I just want to see it go. That's that's the whole premise of these episodes. Mm. Did we cover off your mm. questions? Uh, no, I didn't have specific questions. Oh. I just wrote notes. No. Do you want me to tell you? No, no, I, no, no. Just, I, just we've done a good job. <laughs> no, I had Challenge Roth 2017 circled. Great. And then I said, we met, and then I wrote car ride. <laughs> and I also wrote and scribbled no movie quotes. <laughs> we did riff on that for about 10 minutes, so hopefully people made it past I'm, 10 minutes to hear something juicy. Yeah, I've de- I've definitely learned that it takes – but that's, that's well, reality, that it takes a little while to warm up into these things, even if you know someone really well. Like, I feel like – if you just can't deep dive into the um, more intense, deeper conversations within two minutes of starting a podcast. There needs to be a warm-up. <sighs> Steph, I don't know if it's COVID or what the what, but lately I have a sexual analogy for everything, and I think that excellent <laughs> foreplay for women should never not happen. And so, yes, it does take some time to warm up. Always. <laughs> Can you please give me another sexual analogy that you have used recently? Yeah, I can actually. And I was leading a Zoom <laughs> call, a Zoom webinar basically, and my mom was on there. And oh gosh. I, my mom's pretty rad though. She might listen to this too. But I was talking about how masturbating is pl- like playing tennis against the wall and a good game of tennis is always played with another person. And I just, <laughs> it just came out of my mouth. Like, I don't even know how. And anyway, so I think I hope that everybody has someone to play tennis with. But I'll bump. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. So, so good. I've got one last question for you. Okay. I've got an answer. Uh, 
Um, this is just something I'm trying out at the end of each uh, episode, but then probably every second episode I forget to do it. Oh. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Who is your favourite mm. famous Steph? Oh. Is this is this a trick question? Are you actually asking people this? How have I not heard this one yet? No, because well, no, because one of them hasn't been. Because um, I spoke to Jodie Stimson and I asked her, and mm. then I asked someone a couple of episodes ago, and I forgot uh, who it was, mm-hmm. and then I forgot with no author. I couldn't do it because who knows any other author? Um, and then Sarah Piampiano, I forgot. Mm. Wait, is it Steph because you're Steph or Steph because I'm Steph? No, because you're Steph. Oh, because I'm Steph. Oh, I thought this was about you. Yeah. That's really cute. No. Um, no, it's not. That's obnoxious. Like, oh. let's talk about me. Who, who's another famous Steph? That, not that I'm famous, but you who's are. a famous Steph? No, no, no. Well, this is actually super appropriate because it would channel you, Steph with an F. Um, as soon as you asked that, the first person that came to mind was Steffi Graf the German yeah. player and I have a thing for <laughs> Germans. Uh, I just like, oh. I just love, they're so straight up. And I mean, if in a, my spirit person in another lifetime would be a Norwegian housewife because they stack wood um, and Germans just drink more beer. But anyway, Steffi Graf, I, I grew up and my dad called me Steffi, um, but it was S-T-E-P-H with a Y. And I feel like you're so not a Steffi, but if you were, then you'd be an F-I. And yeah, she was a badass. So I liked Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf. <laughs> Can I say that? Uh, I'm, I'm 100% exactly the same. Steffi Graf. Yeah. Obviously, the name was that original connection, but she she was a badass. Mm-hmm. Is probably still is. Um, yeah, completely agree. I used to love watching her play yeah. when I was younger. Yeah, there's something about like funny than tough. And she's married to a pretty rad. She's pre- married to a pretty okay person. Um, and she's fifty now, dude. Way to go. Yeah. 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 Killing it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, I actually don't I don't think I know any other famous Stephs anyway. Is there a princess? Is there a princess Stephanie from somewhere? Hmm. I don't know. That's a really tough question. It's a great question. I Yeah, it's good to mess around with. Yeah. It's fun in the world of names. Yeah. I also it is. like the I mean, she was in this case, um, but the first person that came to mind. So that's cool. Sorry, she she was the first person that came to mind. Did you say? Yeah, like I didn't have a, yeah. a, a you know running list of several of them. Yeah, yeah. No, there's not. There's not many. Stephanie of Monaco. That rings oh. a bell. Is that? I need to Google it. Mm. Hang on, stay on the line. Stay on the line. It's Princess Stephanie. <laughs> Princess Stephanie. Yeah, there is a Princess Stephanie. Mm. Oh, of Luxembourg, maybe? I see. No, Monaco. I was right. You were right. Yeah. Monaco. Look at that. Is there a movie about it? Do you know the second? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) The second thing that comes up in Google is the turbulent love life of Princess Stephanie of Monaco. Mm. I reckon that's probably that's probably the um, the header for most royal 
um, articles mm. have something to do with their love life, surely. I thought you were going to say it's a trend of Stephanie's. And I was like, well, easy there. Cause uh, <laughs> <laughs> where my fellow Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, I mean, my love life hasn't been all so turbulent at all. It's been very um, beige. Mm. And then met the love of my life, Henry. Mm. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my very, very good friend, um, I really just, I haven't actually recorded this. I just wanted to catch up with you and this is a way to get you to stand still for an hour that I could actually just talk to you. That's not true. <laughs> It's, tr- it's true. Not, a- not even going to publish it. Just wanted to chat. <laughs> well, then put it in the archive. For the <laughs> week of COVID, you can't talk to anyone else. <laughs> yeah, done. <laughs> um, thank you so much um, for putting up with me and my oh. nonsense and just being the best cheerleader a person could have in their life. And I mean oh. it. Dude, keep being great. It's really easy to cheer. And I'll cheer for you when you're not great, too just know that (laughs) there might be times all the times i'm here love ya ah she is a legend that's for sure if you are digging the content that we are producing please consider supporting wits up by becoming a wits up patron Uh, all you need to do is jump on www.patreon.com slash wits up thanks for tuning in